Welcome to Christian Life Academy. Today we're beginning chapter 4, which is of creation. Now, as I've got in the first slide here, chapters 3 through 5 uh, deal primarily with God's decrees. So, obviously, the first thing that we saw was chapter 3, which focused on the general decrees of God, it was of God's decree, and the decree of election. However, these other two chapters, chapter 4 and chapter 5, go ahead, are both are both uh, focused on God's decrees as well. One is his decree of creation, and the second is his, focuses on divine providence. And so we're going to get into that more. We talked about God's decree in chapter 3, and so we talked about God's plan. We saw all these scriptures, lots of places in the scripture that talk about that God has planned what's going to happen. And then we're getting into now creation, which of course would be part of God planning what's going to happen, right? Nothing happens unless there's creation. And then further, we're going to talk about divine providence and what the issues are regarding that, because that's a question, right? It's a question for us. Unfortunately, when we're in chapter 3 and we're talking about God's decree, uh, we had to bring up this issue of the divine mystery, and that is, how could it be that there is things like free will, and yet God plans everything? How does that all work? Well, we're going to see that when we get more into chapter 5. Chapter 4 on creation does not deal with that very much at all. We are going to just make two bullet points about it, but that's it. Uh, We're going to, because the confession actually mentions that, but we're going to move forward. Now, creation is the first of God's decrees to be executed. So that's why we're talking about that it deals with God's decrees, right? So God decrees this is what's going to happen. He chooses who's elect. He chooses how it's going to transpire. Then the first thing that he actually fulfills is to create time and then create the universe, earth, man, everything, right? So everything has to flow from that. God can make a plan. If he doesn't implement the plan, there is nothing. Are you with me on this? That's not the way it is. God made a plan, then implemented the plan, and that was through creation. It was executed through, that's creation was execution of God's decree. Although it follows the decree of election, of course, which was before time, it is the first to actually be carried out. Are you with me on this? So election, of course, is God choosing, but then when we see creation is the first thing where it's actually being implemented, right? So when God chose it, you were not immediately saved, even though you didn't exist in some way. That's not the way it works. You become saved when the fullness of time, when it's actually your time to be saved. That's it. Who did God, how does that all happen? Oh, I'm glad you asked. A future chapter, we're going to get down to that, cover that, of salvation. All right. So, the biblical doctrine of creation is foundational. This is very important. It's foundational to all belief in the Scripture. So, think about these couple of these points. This is some critical stuff. Now, if you're, if you're not familiar with uh, some of the organizations that uh, teach creation and deal with creation... Um, their specific focus is on some of these aspects. Answers in Genesis, you're going to think of them, right? Creation researchers, there are several different organizations that do this. But these are some of the key points and why this is so important to us to get creation nailed down. First, if the universe came into existence by chance, God is not God. Right? If it just happened, then God isn't God. He's a lesser God. He's God, little g, Right? Without Adam's fall, there'd be no sin nature, and Christ's sacrifice is not needed. So if the creation account and how Adam fell, and then therefore took all of man, made all of man sinners, Christ's sacrifice isn't needed. Not necessary. If chance led to our existence, there's no moral code, no right or wrong, no existence beyond this life. This justifies humanistic views of doing whatever is right in our own eyes, and this is an epidemic. So if you want to, you know, 
we could have the rest of this class could be a discussion about why people have gone the way they've gone today and why things are so messed up in our society and in our world today. And as long as we talked, we could keep coming up with more reasons. And probably most of them would be right. Honestly, most of them would be right. Would it be that parents are less involved in raising their children? Yeah, that's a biggie. Would you agree? Would it be that the parents weren't raised right? That could be. Could it be what they're teaching in this public schools and a lot of Christian schools? That could be. You see what I'm saying? There's all these different things that you can see, right? Have we become more self-centered? Yes. Is it too easy to get information now so people care less about other, other people? Yes, right? Are we more dependent on technology and less dependent on ourselves and being resilient and actually being independent and actually caring that other people are doing that too and are able to make it? Yeah, do we care less about other people? All of these things are true. All those things are true. But a root cause is this. A root cause is this. There's no moral code. Friday. At a client's site, talking to an electrician, Bill the electrician. Now, Bill's not a believer, okay? Not a believer. But he, <laughs> it's amazing how you can get into discussions about existential things easily. So he stopped by because he needed me to print something out for something he was working on. That was why he came in. We ended up talking about how badly our society has gone and how young people today have no drive and motivation. They can't get young electricians. They can't get people to join the program, to become apprentices, to become, why? They're not interested in working. And the ones they do bring in, they usually quit within a few weeks. And most of that time, they don't show up. They don't show up, they come late, they leave early. It's the way it is. And why did he think, non-believer, he said, because nobody believes in God anymore. Bill, he's right. Insightful. He's right. He said, without anybody believing in God, they're not afraid of doing anything wrong. They're not afraid of being responsible for themselves. He said, if we don't believe in God, where is this world going to go? Nobody cares about doing the wrong thing anymore. Nobody cares about doing the right thing anymore. They don't care because they think it's up to them to decide what's right and what's wrong. It's not some higher power. He says... I'm not talking about if everybody goes to church, but they need to believe in a higher power that actually has moral authority. Amen. If you take creation out, much easier to accept that there's no God. In fact, you must eradicate creation in order for you to hold the position that there is no God and there is no moral authority. See, because no matter what, if you just say, well, Christianity is false, the Bible is fake, whatever, hold all those positions, but you still believe in creation, oh man, that's really scary now, because now what you're saying is, is there is a God, and you don't know what he wants you to do or not do. Hmm? But if you take creation out, and you say it just all happened, evolution, now you can say, we, or I, decide what's right and what's wrong. Are you with me? That's why creation is also so important. 
if you reject the first few chapters of the Bible, what faith can you have in anything the Scripture says? Look, if you say, well, I believe the Bible, I believe it's God's Word, I believe the Scripture is true, that's absolutely, you know, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, everything, that's all true, you know, yeah, okay, great. If somebody says that to you, right away you think Catholic, then second think they don't know what they're talking about. But here's the point on this. That was a little bit of a rabbit trail there. Here's the point on this. If you take away the account of creation because you say, well, that science, and I'm doing, for those that are listening, I'm doing quote and unquote with my fingers, science says that's not how it happened. How can you trust anything the Bible says? If that's not how it happened, how can you trust the Bible at all? How can you trust it? You say, well, no, there's, there's, a, there's room here. There's room here for us to allow for the day-age theory, for us to have millions of years between each day. Okay, now that's an interesting concept, which we're going to blow completely out of the water with, I think, one paragraph. We're going to blow that out of the water. It's not even a possibility. You know, I digress, but that's the way I do. God is logical. God is logical. Okay? Now, he has... He is, he is a God of logic, but that does not mean that our logic is his logic. Are you with me on this? So he is at a different place than we are, so we might think something makes sense, but then God proves that that's not the way it actually is. But he is logical. His word is logical. His truths are logical. If we cannot reason through the implications of something, we are being less like God than ever. This is why we have this class, because we talk about these truths that are contained in Scripture, we expand on them and understand them so that we get it. It's not just a bunch of stuff that's made up, it's logical. It's logical. So when we throw out the first couple chapters of the Bible, right, we throw that out of the equation, it's not logical that we should trust the rest. It's not logical that God would lie in the first few chapters. They say, well, yeah, but what, isn't there some wiggle room in there? No, there's no wiggle room. There's no wiggle room. We're going to look at it. There's no wiggle room. It would be illogical to believe that there's wiggle room between the evening and the morning were the first day. How do you get past that? You see what I'm saying here, yes? I'm giving a little bit of, I'm giving a little steal of my own thunder here. But you see that this is what the scripture says, right? The evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the first day, second day. The evening and the morning were the third day. We see this through the entire Genesis account. Why? Good question. I won't give you that thunder yet. We'll wait till we get to that paragraph. But there is a reason for this, and it's to specify that it's one day. One day. Now, you'll see other truths right in the Genesis account that make it completely clear it would be impossible for this to be more than a day. In fact, science has proved it could have been up to three days. A day in the scripture could have been three days. That's it. It couldn't be four days. Couldn't be more than that. You say, oh, this is a weird, how are you getting this? Oh, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. There's no way that a day was more than a day. It's impossible. Which, by the way, the evolutionists believe the earth is billions, four billion years old, not millions. So it's not that each day was a million years. They can't really explain that. By the way, how they come up with a billion? How they come up with four billion? Well, that's changed over time. It keeps getting longer. Why does it keep getting longer? Because they cannot explain it. 
The idea is you give it more time, and sure, anything can happen if you make a billion years. A billion years, a rock can become a person. Really? I think that takes a lot more faith than believing God's word. That a rock can become a person. Even the evolutionists have a problem with this. So most of them now have begun to embrace the ancient alien theorist view that mankind was seeded on earth. Mankind could not have evolved from a rock. Therefore, it must have come from aliens because it can't be God. It can't be the Genesis account. Why? Because then there's a God, and then we've got to wonder about what he wants us to do or not to do, and are we going to be in trouble? What's going to happen here? You see what I'm saying? They find any excuse they can to try to make it so it's not God. It's not God. We accept the Genesis account of creation by faith, Hebrews 11.3, which says, Through faith, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. God created the earth. God created everything in it. By how? By the spoken word. That's how. Hebrews says that we do this. We accept this by faith. Were we there? No. Do we have a video? Is there a YouTube clip of this? No, even though you might find a YouTube clip that shows it, that's not authentic. That's computer animation. That's not real. But we have a book that explains the history. We have a book that explains the history. What's the best thing you could have? A written record. Interesting, isn't it? We have one. Somehow yet, atheists, non-believers, evolutionists, will reject that book. Say, well, that can't be true. Also interesting, by the way, is that almost every ancient culture that exists on the earth today has a creation story. Everyone. Those cultures were not known to each other, but in their ancient cultures, they have a creation narrative. Sometimes the names are very similar to Adam and Eve, and Noah too, by the way. Sometimes they're very similar, like it's just a little different pronunciation, it's a little different spelling. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's a different way. They all have it. Carved in cuneiforms, carved on pyramids, carved on monoliths, carved everywhere. Creation story. How much written record do you need? Everybody wrote that this is what happened. No, 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 it couldn't happen that way. Why? Well, because then that means there's a God. You see, you see how this works? It's not logical. All right, turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 1. Before we actually read paragraph 1, we're going to read the creation account, which is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, through Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. Now, this is important because as we work our way through this chapter and through the three paragraphs that exist in it, you're going to see that we're going to reference to these events, right, to the events that happen here. And I would actually assume completely that every one of you have read this before, and that's okay. Let's just read it again. Follow along with me, if you would, so we can just remind ourselves of what happens in the order it happens and how that is. And then we're going to refer to this as we work our way through the first paragraph and then continuing on. So Genesis 1, chapter 1. 
I'm sorry, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. He called he seas, the seas, and God saw it was good. Verse 11, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and herb yielding, herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and morning were the third day. Verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days, and for years. And let them be, the light, let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Verse 20. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and, after, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said that the earth bring forth a living creature after his kind, cattle, and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw it was good. Verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree, in the, which is the fruit of the tree-yielding seed, so you, to you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. 
And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it had rested, he had rested from all his work which God created and made. This is the word of the Lord. This is a comprehensive and virtually unassailable account of creation. Every question that comes about from evolutionists is answered in this passage we just read. Every one. Every one. Now, we will break that down a little bit, but not much. But the second portion of this chapter is going to break it down even further. Because the paragraphs that we see here, paragraphs 1, 2, and 3, written in the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession, were written in... Let's say 1689, <laughs> a little before that, actually, but because they matched the Westminster. But the point is, they're written in the 1600s, okay? At this point in history, no one is questioning the creation account. There was no reason for them to deal with some of the heresies that were coming out about creation and about how long it had been, and evolution and all these things. They just weren't around. No one accepted those as possibilities. In fact, if you did so, you could literally be burned at the stake by the Roman Catholic Church. Okay, so this was not something that was common at all. Of course, this is far before Darwin's origin of the species, but Darwin was not the creator of evolution. He was not the first one to do this. He was just someone that wrote a book that made it popular. The point is, is that they didn't deal with any of those issues in the chapters because they didn't have to. It wasn't a controversy at that time. Now, we've seen this in other chapters as we've worked through them. We see other issues that have come up since then. We certainly also see, you'll probably recall, in the confession, numerous times in the paragraphs, we'll actually see them addressing a particular concern, right? So you'll see them explain the doctrine, and then they deal with somebody's objections to the doctrine. Right? We see that in there. Then they'll say, but, you know, here's what this means. They give a little further explanation, some more scripture, just to make sure that everybody understands what the truth of that doctrine is. Creation, you don't see that so much. It's just an explanation of what happened and how God did it and what the importance, the import is of it is. So, this class, I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. We're going to supplement this with a series of videos. The second part of this class will be the creation seminar series. The best that I've seen is Kent Hovind. Now, Dr. Hovind has gone a little different direction now than he did. Now he's completely shifted his focus to eschatology. Doesn't teach creation seminars anymore, or largely doesn't, only by invitation. He's gone a different direction with that. So just because we're going to show his seminar doesn't mean that we believe 100% with everything he believes, okay? But his work on creation, his explanation of creation, and his uh, presentation on it is very good. It makes it very easy to understand and he shows, really, frankly, how foolish evolution is and how much evidence there is contrary to that that's just absolutely ignored. And this is from 20 years ago. Some of them more than that, those are videos. So we're going to watch that series. We do have it in the library, so you'll be able to take it home, watch it again if you want to, or show it to somebody else, whatever. But we will watch that after this. So that'll be, I think, eight weeks will actually take for us to get through all those seminar, all those uh, sessions. And just to let you know, we will have to start right on time, and I think one Sunday we'll have to start at 9.30 because it's a little longer. You know, each of them are kind of broke down to just roughly about an hour. So we'll have to start a little early on one or two of them just so that we can make sure we get those fit in. But anyway, I'm just giving you a heads up about what's going to happen. All right, 
So paragraph one, in the beginning, it pleased God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the manifestation of the glory of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness to create or make the world and all things therein, whether visible or invisible, in the space of six days and all very good. All right. So in the beginning. So this is the literal beginning of history. It's the beginning of time itself. This is the beginning because it's the beginning. I don't know if that can get any more uh, distinct than that or any more logical than that, but the scripture starts off with in the beginning. Why is it? Because that is the beginning of time. Was there things that happened before this? There was. There was at least the decree of redemption, I'm sorry, the covenant of redemption and the decree of election made between the Father and the Son. We talked about that. We went through those, which now is at the end of the confession, so we're not going into them for a while. But those things did happen before, but that's before creation. That's before time itself existed. Okay? So this is the very beginning of time. That's why it says, in the beginning. Now, I just again, I'm going to say it a couple of times. I won't keep harping on this, but I'm just going to say it a couple of times. I just want you to think about the fact that if you are writing about the history of existence, how else would you describe the beginning? you'd probably start by saying, in the beginning. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, there is a pretty good reason for why you would start by saying, in the beginning, and then you would begin from the very beginning of time. You would not start partway through the equation. In other words, you wouldn't start after there's three billion years old and then say, in the beginning. It's not the beginning. That's illogical. Not the beginning if there's been time before this. God did not step into a pre-existing universe and timeline to create the earth and all that is in it. He created time itself. This statement makes it clear. God existed before time began, and he created time itself. Pretty clear? So, if a being creates time and existence, not sure you could ever trump that. In fact, You can't. He created time. He created material existence. There is nothing, whether it is a being, whether it is a force of nature, whatever you want to call it, that could come close to the creator of time. Nothing. Nothing. So, is God now living Within time. Does he now exist? Within time. No. He does not. We see this over and over in Scripture. He does not exist within the confines of time. How does that work? Like, is he actually seeing what you're going to do in the next hour? Is he? Yeah. He is seeing that. Because he's not in time. He's not in time. He knows all. He's seen all. He planned all. He sees all time. He sees you right now. He sees Martin Luther nailing the 95 Thesis on the Wittenberg, the chapel of All Saints Church in Wittenberg. Same time. He sees Christ's birth. Same. Why? He's outside of time, looking in. Picture that timeline. It's on the back wall there. It shows God and nothing. Here's God in creation, timeline, and then here's nothing, big bang, right? He sees the entire timeline. Now, how does that even work? Divine mystery. 
Why? Because we can't comprehend it. You can't see two minutes at the same time. You can't see two seconds at the same time, can you? You can't. You're unable to go back and see something exactly as it happened. You use your memory, right? Beautiful device, our memory. But is it perfect? No. In fact, the older you get, the more you realize that's not true. (laughs) Not perfect, right? And eventually, like Barb's mom, starts to fail, right? Guess what? It's going to fail you too because it fails us all. If it hasn't started yet, you're very blessed because it does start happening. You start forgetting things. You start, you start, this is what happens. You don't have the ability to live in two moments at the same time, right? God sees it all. He's outside the timeline. We don't want to get too caught up in that. There's some very interesting existential type books written about God and not being within time. But in the end, all we can do is say, we can't fully comprehend it. We just have to accept that it's true because God's word tells us it's true. That's all. He existed before time. He will exist after time. What do you mean, after time? We sing the hymn, 10,000 years will just be started, right? Where's that in Scripture? Kind of a problem. See, we're used to an existence in time that we cannot even imagine an existence outside of time. Can't imagine it. Your body needs time. There's... I can't believe the amount of experimentation there's been with people to see what would happen if you gave them an eight-day week. It messes them up mentally. That's what happens. When people have an eight-day week, it messes them up mentally. Isn't that amazing? The natural rhythms of time that exist in our solar system are perfectly regulated for us. And when we go outside of that, we try to pretend that's not the way that it works, it messes up mentally. It messes us up mentally. Wow. Amazing, isn't it? The idea of time is something that God created and he's ordered creation through it. This is the very beginning of creation. In the beginning. The beginning of time. So God has the authority. You see it please God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has the authority to do whatever pleases him. So his creation was because it pleased him. The Trinity was involved in the very beginning of time. We see this in multiple passages. Let's look at some of them right now for just this initial part of the paragraph, this first phrase, really, of the paragraph, and the footnote that we already have for some scriptures. 1 John chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So notice that it says, will show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father. Christ existed prior to his incarnation on earth. He was eternal. Eternal. That means existed beyond time. Hebrews 1, 2, hath in, these last, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also, also he made the worlds. Who made the worlds? The Son. Christ created the worlds. Now, you've got to think about this. We've talked about this in other times, but I just want you to think about this. 
The Son is the executive of the Trinity. He is the one who carries out things. He does things. In this case, he is the one who created everything. You've heard before, he's also the one who will judge everything. Right? This is the son's role. Job 26.13, By his spirit he hath garnished the heavens, his hand hath formed the crooked serpent. So this is a reference to the Holy Spirit being involved in the creation of the universe. But notice what we go again to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and then verse 26. Listen to what this says in verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit was not standing back watching. The Holy Spirit was involved. Now why did the Holy Spirit move across the face of the waters? We're not told. We're not told. I wish I could tell you. There's theories. Scripture doesn't say. But for some reason, the Spirit was involved. Maybe just so that we could see that the Trinity was involved and that there's these three persons of God involved. John 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What's the first verses? In the beginning. In the beginning of time, there was Christ, the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Another verse, passage, that points out that Christ is the one who, who actually created earth. We see further, when you go through that, that chapter, that portion here, we're going to see verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Clearly, John 1 says that what it's referred to by John as the word is Jesus Christ. He created the heavens and the earth. He was there in the beginning of time's creation with God. The Trinity was there. The purpose of creation. Paragraph 1 continues. For the manifestation of the glory of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness. So he created for the manifestation of the glory of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness. Now it continues. But let's just pause at this for a second. So God's attribute of power, wisdom, and goodness are clearly reflected in the simple fact of his creation. Simply. He executed, his, exercised his power in the act of creation. You can see this, right? Clearly, God's power reflected in the act of creation. He exercised his wisdom in the design of creation. So it's not just the brute force power of Almighty God, but it's also his wisdom in the way that everything works together, ways that we are still unable to explain because they work so intricately together. By the way, we should call this Christian Life Academy with some rabbit trails because it seems like that's kind of what we... (laughs) I don't even know how I want to phrase this, but I'm just going to lay it out there and let you guys absorb it. The climate emergency is a hoax. There is no climate emergency. It's a complete fallacy. 
There is no such thing happening as global warming. There is no such thing happening as global cooling. It is all completely a hoax to take power. The entire thing. Now, if you just say, well, the science support, that's a complete lie. What's happened today, now where we're at, is that using the term science or finding a few scientists who will say something equates truth. That's not true. True science discovers the truth and makes hypothesis about the truth. That's all it can do. The weather on our earth is so complex, there is no computer models that can comprehend it. None. And it, that comes from scientists. So like the scientists who actually first developed climate models that they're using now to claim that the earth is going through global climate change, they say you can't use the model that way. It doesn't take anything into account. It takes one thing into account. And by the way, if you say, well, that's temperature. It's based on temperature. Okay. So in 100 years, worldwide temperatures have gone up a half a degree. One half of one degree in 100 years. That's where we're at now to where we're 100 years ago. One half of one degree. Does that sound like global warming? No. Do you remember that it was just 20 years ago that they were talking about we were going to have global cooling? It was global warming. Then they went to global cooling. Why? Because the temperatures actually went down. They went down. Now it's global climate change. The idea that man is able in his minuscule self to change the climate, and so we must take steps to change things, which essentially means we must take steps to control you, and we're going to blame the climate. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. You know that we had a mini ice age in the mid-1800s? I mean, we don't study history anymore because if we do, it kind of pokes holes in all the current politically correct philosophies and beliefs. You know we had a mini ice age in the mid-1800s? It's called the mini ice age. The Thames River in London froze. That never happens. They were skating on the Thames in London. That never happens. It was cold everywhere. How did it get cold? Was it because all the CO2 that was produced blocked the sun's UV rays to allowed it to heat the earth, and so therefore the earth temperatures plummeted? Because that's exactly what we heard causes it to get colder now. Oh, wait a minute. That's pre-industrial revolution. The population was a sliver of what it is today. Hmm. How do you explain that? You can't. Climate models don't even take into account the impact of the sun. You know, every time the sun goes through an active period of sunspots that are weather changes for years, models can't accommodate that. They don't accommodate that. You understand what I'm saying? God's wisdom in the design of creation was to create this unbelievably complicated system of existence that we live within. By the way, some of you are probably not too old and you wouldn't remember this, but you remember when the big fear was the hole in the ozone layer? Anybody remember that? Man's causing, and this is why, by the way, that we had uh, hairspray was the, was the number one culprit of the hole in the ozone layer and spray paint. That was the two. And this is when they took, they changed the way aerosols were actually made because the aerosols that were made were causing the hole in the ozone layer. Do you remember this? Except, guess what? The hole healed. And it healed before they eliminated the aerosols. 
guess what? They still limited the aerosols. It was about power. It wasn't about science. And you know there is still, there's a hole, so the holes come and go. The hole in the ozone layer comes and goes. And do you know where the hole normally resides? Anybody? Over the North Pole. How much man-made impact do we have in the ozone layer at the North Pole? Nobody lives there. You with me? Santa, the elves. I guess big factories, probably. There you go. And the reindeer, the flatulence. That's right, because that's a big thing now, too. <laughs> Don't get me going on that path. Okay, third point. He exercised his goodness in the blessed and joyful existence he created for all of creation, including a revelation of his self. So that's his goodness. So this was his intention. Did we mess it up? We messed it up. But his intention was a blessed and joyful existence for all of creation, including revealing himself to his creation. Let's just look at a couple of verses for that. Romans 1.20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Do you understand what that verse says and the implications of that verse? That's a biggie. Romans 1.20 is a big verse. It says that everyone knows there's a God. The evidence is clear in creation. The things that are seen, creation, makes it clear that there is a God and they are without excuse. Now we talked about this before and I'm just encouraging you in this way. If you talk to somebody in there and they say that they don't believe, they're an unbeliever, they don't think there's a God, you can literally say that's not really true. That's not what you really believe. In your heart of hearts, you do believe there's a God. You're just afraid that it's true. Because the implications of your true belief that there is a God are scary. Because if you accept that, you got a problem. What's he think about the way you live? What's he think about who you are? What's going to happen when you die? That's the truth. The truth is you're going to speak to their heart because God's word says that is what's in their heart. They see it. They know. They know. Proverbs 16.4, The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, the wicked for the day of evil. He even made the wicked for the day of evil. Who did he make it for? Us? Is God's purpose in creating us for us to have a good time? For us to enjoy life? If it was, you could think of a lot of ways probably that you think, I wish it was better, like no pain, no suffering. Well, we messed that up, didn't we? We messed it up. The extent or the scope of creation. So we continue in paragraph one. To create or make the world and all things therein, whether visible or invisible. The Hebrew word for create, by the way, now we're going to get into some of this, about proofs in the text itself, about the validity of the text. The word for create is bara, bara which means to form something that did not exist before. God literally made everything out of nothing. So you cannot take the Genesis account from the Hebrew and say that God created things by taking that which had existed through evolution and basically wiping it under the rug and using it to create something new, which, by the way, is the theory of some quote-unquote believers. 
Evolution was true. Evolution is real. And what happened in Genesis is that God took all that stuff and kind of like wiped it out and started fresh with Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden. The Hebrew doesn't support that because the Hebrew is to create something out of nothing. Bara. There is nothing in existence that did not come from God, from the universe to the atoms, from angels to heaven and hell. All things manifest God's glory and character. Notice here that it says this, whether visible or invisible. By the way, 1600s. 1600s. Do they know about atoms yet? No, they didn't know about atoms yet. Didn't know. So you can't say, well, this is a reference, the confession is referring to molecular structures. That word didn't exist. Because they didn't know about it yet. But what they knew was is there's visible forces of nature that are operating that we can't see. That's easy to say right off the bat, wind. True? Is that a force of nature we can't see? Absolutely it is. There's also gravity. Can you see the fact that your foot is being pulled to the ground as you walk? You can't see that, right? It's invisible. It's gravity. How about air? Can you see it? No. Not unless the moisture actually, you know, it's steamy or whatever. It's foggy. That's, that's the moisture, actually. Can you see it? And that's, no, you can't normally see it, right? So the same thing about how are we held together? How does our body keep its shape? How is that all happening? Well, they didn't know how it happened, but they knew that it happened. So those are things invisible. Scripture references this too. And by the way, what keeps the atoms, I'm not going to go down that path too far, what keeps the atoms working? What's the three parts of an atom? Three parts. Nucleus. Okay, nucleus. Let's go with that. That's a good one. What else? Proton. Electrons. So it's neutron, proton, electron. Right? Nucleus, neutron. All right. Those, if you've seen a picture of it before, you might see sometimes 50s era, 60s era, like signs for atomic energy or signs for the atomic commission or these different things, and they have a symbol of an atom, right? And what's it look like? It's got something in the center, and it's got things rotating around it, right? Okay, that's true. That's the way, no matter what kind of atom it is, they all look like that. What keeps them from going, don't know. No explanation. Oh, no explanation. Was that, was that where it was? There we go. Sorry. Thank you. We don't know. Now there's the theory, string theory. That's the latest theory. If you heard of the string theory. The string theory is that these strings of energy that are invisible that we can't see, and that's what holds everything together. And they vibrate, and that's what causes the atoms to vibrate, and that's why everything stays working the way it is. Have they ever seen the strings? No. Do they have evidence of the strings? No. Only that that's how they're explaining how the atoms work. So, yeah, of course we have evidence of the string theory. Look at the atom. <laughs> I say it's bubble gum. I mean... <laughs> It's just as possible. <laughs> New discoveries in scientific research continue to point to the glory of God, making man more accountable to their, acknowledge their creator. We see this over and over again. They can't, 
they get down to the point where they can identify atoms and they can't explain why the atoms don't fly apart. Can't explain it. Can't explain it. Even the scientists, which by the way, all the scientists stuff I just talked about and the global climate emergency being a hoax and all the rest of that stuff, you can't believe the well-known scientists that embrace that. And in fact, there's over 20,000 have signed a declaration of this effect. You don't hear that in the, in the popular media. There's far more scientists coming out and saying that it's wrong than are saying it's right. And guess who the ones are that say it's right? They're the ones who get paid to actually work on research in that field. See a problem with that? No, because men are basically honest, right? Trustworthy? Not sinful. The more evidence is discovered that points to a young earth, design... The more evidence is discovered that points to a young earth designed by a creator, the harder the reprobate man works to suppress that evidence and knowledge. So even though there's more and more evidence that always coming out, the more research they do, the more tests they do, the harder they look, they find more evidence that it's a young earth, and all that they do is try to find some other way to discount that. This is why they've gone to aliens, by the way. Because now the evidence is almost irrefutable. There was no evolution. There's no evidence of an evolution. There is no proof. There is no missing link that's been found. There is no links to connect to the missing link. Every single person, they, or different kinds of person that they found, they say, well, this is the Neanderthal man. This is this, this is this, this is this. Every one of them, either they've been discounted as a hoax or has been shown that there was some abnormality. Some of those, by the way, are based on a tooth. A tooth. They found a tooth and said that this was this person, completely different from the rest. Everyone heard of Lucy? Well, she's the first one in the link. Where's Lucy come from? Well, she basically looks like a chimp, except she's got some human characteristics. How much did they find of Lucy? Pardon me? It's a, it was a couple of bones, and those bones are present in modern-day monkeys. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, they found nothing that distinguishes her from being a monkey. Nothing. How does, quote-unquote, science possibly accept that as true? This is why. Because they must work hard to suppress that evidence. They must. Why? Because if they don't, then the truth of God's creation is readily apparent. Readily apparent. Let's read two verses. Colossians 1.16 For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. John 1 again, verses 1 through 3, the beginning was the word, the word was, without, was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything that was made. Okay, we'll have to pause there. Next week we'll pick back up with about the space of six days. That's the next part of the paragraph, in the space of six days. Let's close in a word of prayer.